It's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 231, our 10 most overrated features. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining today to look at the hyped up but ultimately useless and annoying features we face up to every day are key contributors and a pair of Stevens, Stephen Otley. Hey, thanks, James. And Stephen Corby. The preferred Stephen. Wow. <laughs> we'll also look, take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and unearth the comment of the week. YouTubers, you can jump ahead to each section of the show via the time codes in the notes or chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. Okay, I think this is a case of just because you can do something, should you? Um, maybe it's under the banner of safety or comfort or ease of use or something else altogether. Yeah, look, we, having something nice in the brochure. Some have something nice in the brochure, something nice to sell on the showroom floor. Um, we've gathered together today to list the 10 most overrated features offered to or foisted upon us in recent times. Um, lots to choose from, but each of us has identified three features. We know there are no double ups or overlaps, so the plan is to take turns announcing a contender until all nine are on the table, then a jointly agreed 10th nomination rounds out the lists. Uh, okay, I want to start with you, Steve Otley. Okay. Kick us off with your first contender for most overrated feature. Uh, this is, belongs to BMW and their fabulously useless gesture controls. The, you know, again, the answer to the question nobody asked, right? Yes. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before in the past. Like it's supposed to be a safety thing. I don't understand it. I don't understand how it's safer. It doesn't, it doesn't serve any useful purpose. Like you've got to literally take your hands off the steering wheel, make a little gesture with your hand to do something like, yeah, turn the yeah. steer up. You've got to squiggly, you know, turn your finger around in a circle when you could literally yes. just move your thumb, you know, half a centimeter and press a button on the steering wheel. <laughs> it is the most useless piece of tech I think I've seen in a car. I'd imagine the last image on the traffic camera as the crash is recorded would be someone <laughs> madly flying around trying to get the audio to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I, th I think I was in a car with you, wasn't I, Corby, where we, I'd like moved my hand and it like changed the radio station. Like it's just, <laughs> they're constantly, you know, it's just one of those things where you now got to like keep your hands down basically. So, yes. you, you know, the type of person that gesticulates, then it's, then it's really terrible. I just wish I thought of this one. I hate it so much. But I, I think the point about it, I didn't know it was, it was safety. I thought it was actually it's purely one of those things that you can get your mate in the car and go, look what my car can do. Yeah. That's all it's yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. the, and the coolest thing, but the, only, the only good thing I do like is when you answer the phone, you can do this. And if someone <laughs> you don't want to talk to you, you can do this. Straight away. <laughs> away from me, Byron. Well, I think the impress your friends and others will be a recurring theme uh, yeah. during the course of today. <laughs> but uh, that is a great start. And also, isn't it a case maybe of no matter how good it is, it's not useful? Because as you say, yeah. um, you know, there's a button typically right there on the steering wheel that's much easier and safer to use. Yeah. So what's all that about? Someone in engineering has a budget and they've got to expend it and they've come up with that. And it's yeah, already uh, had voice activation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you don't have to which, do anything with your hand. Which is equally useless. So. Precisely. <laughs> precisely. All right, that is a great start. Thank you very much. We're off to a flying start. So uh, I won't say Stephen number two because that uh, in, indicates some kind of hierarchy. I'll say, Accurate, though. I'll say <laughs> Accurate hierarchy. <laughs> Next, Stephen, please. Uh, so my, uh, my recent discovery is Mercedes-Benz's traffic light assist, which is basically a camera 
that shows you when you pull up to a red light or a stop sign exactly what's in front of you. And I've already got a feature that does that called a windscreen. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and a it pair just of drives me Like I sat there looking at it going, what is this for? So you look at it, I said, maybe they've just got this screen and they have to show something on it. It's like buying a new television and being desperate for more channels. But um, so, and, and I had to actually call Mercedes and say, what is this for? And they told me that apparently, and, and this does make some sense in Europe. Sometimes when you're in Europe, you pull up to the traffic light you pull too far forward and you can't see the traffic light oh, and the camera will then show you when the traffic light's going green. Oh, I see. So it, I, it never became a problem for me. Right. And it, just, yeah. it, just, it, just, it just seemed like this awful distraction. Like, why is there a camera there showing me what my eyes can already see? Yes. Yeah. No, that is perfect. That yeah. is perfect. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that might happen to me once a decade. Yeah. Where you've actually, yeah. Where you've actually pulled into an intersection or you're in an awkward position and you can't see the traffic lights. That seems extraordinary. Maybe, maybe it's something about the age of many European towns where, you yeah. know, traffic lights are a retrofitment and, I, and it's I, tricky. But of all the cars sold, how many people drugs. use it? How many times to how many people yeah. use it? How much did it cost to develop? Why is it there? Yes. Yes. How much did it actually add to the sticker price oh. of your car for something that's not going to be used? So <laughs> remind me of the name again. It's called? It's called Traffic Light Assist. Traffic Light Assist. Fabulous. Which the That's name another... does tend to explain it slightly, but even then I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <Is this what? laughs> what does it? I think Audi has a safety feature, which is like a forward cross collision warning or something, which is basically like, so you don't pull out in front of a car in front of you, which, wow. you know, yes. which is like, I don't, if you need that, maybe reconsider if you should be driving. Well, that look, that is a beautiful segue because um, I'll kick off with yeah. my, my first one, and that is self parking. <laughs> so, um, you know, a self-parking feature, be it parallel or perpendicular, I would argue if you can't park a car, I don't think you should have a license. So if you're relying on this thing, um, it, it just shows that you have some kind of agency and mastery over the car that you can actually park it. Um, it also, these systems have asked you to do things, answer questions. It's all relatively complicated mm -hmm. for something that if you're capable of doing it can be rapid. Um, it's so much faster, in fact, to do it yourself. And when you've got a line of four or five cars behind you waiting for the system to mm, register where it is, stop, you select neutral, then you press that button and it starts to park itself. Um, you know, I'd argue also that most people would use it precisely once. And that's probably on the test drive with the salesperson in the passenger seat yeah. selling you on the majesty of this technology. Um, in the real world, it is useless and i would argue overrated well i'm yeah. controversial here i had i i always thought that and i thought that it should come with a sign as soon as you press it it should come up in the rear vision in the rear window i am a failure as soon as you press the button <laughs> but uh, then i and i refused to engage with it but then i had the vf commodore i, I lived in a very tight street I, I went past the front of my house i said i'll give this a go i said i wouldn't try and park the car in there that's a really tiny spot let's see how good it is and the car nailed the spot did it very quickly this far from the from the curb and the other uh, possibility I would suggest to you is that say you're, you're a woman and you've bought a car, you wanted quite a large car, but your husband's a terrible driver. And you think, okay, every time you borrow my car, I want you to use the self-parking function so you don't destroy the wheels. That person then might be encouraged to use it because they know they're not a good driver. And uh, I do know I do know a couple of women who, who have it in their car and use it all the time and talk about it as a kind of miraculous feature. So I know it's hard for us to imagine, but I think there are consumers who might... Well, I know that for a fact there are some consumers who think it's the greatest thing ever. 
Well, I think it's sad, and I suppose it, it opens up. I think yeah. it opens up the bigger question of whether or not these kinds of assistance features are a benefit or just dumbing us down in terms of our ability to to actually uh, effectively operate a car. I, I've literally never used them. I like I like every time a bit like you. I like I just I don't trust them. I don't. <laughs> it's interesting because you know maybe this says more about me. You know, this all this talk of autonomy and all that sort of stuff is it's just like. I, I don't trust it. It's it's a relatively simple procedure to park yep. a car. Like you say, yep. if you don't know how to park mm. while you're driving, it's a bit like, you know, yeah, I can fly a plane. I don't know how to land, but I can fly a plane. Like, we're, like this seems like a bit of an issue. That's right. I'd, I'd argue you're not a pilot then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. That's good. All right. We have gone around once. We are back to the beginning. Stephen Otley, please. All right. Okay, well, maybe I'll keep that theme going. Good. And again, is the self-driving technology, or this particularly, I would, you know, not naming any names, <coughs> Tesla, <coughs> autopilot, um, <laughs> you know, like it's like the technology we have today, none of it is self-driving. Like it is it is largely, you know, uh, you know, adaptive cruise control with lane keeping assist, um, which I think we're all a bit overhyped. We've all been sort of fed this notion of, oh, you know, autonomous driving is just around the corner. You know, it was mm. all, the, all the, you know, cars were supposed to be driving themselves five years ago, according to some car companies, you know, like, so mm. it's just, it, it's, it's again, overhyped. Like, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a nice handy feature, but it's totally overhyped in terms of, and overrated in terms of what it actually does. Yeah, that's true. I think we're coming up on a decade of Elon Musk promising robo taxis um, yeah. that, that would be out there and earning Tesla owners money. Yeah. Um, and that that certainly hasn't happened. There's been a lot of hype around that. Yeah. And certainly I think naming things autopilot, which, you know, again, going back to the plane analogy, flies the plane completely and safely. I think, you know, as we've learned with tragic consequences, yes. that's not what, some of these systems do, you know, I think, you yeah. know, certainly some brands like Audi call it traffic jam assist. And I think, you know, I've used it in Audis and Mercedes where it, it's a handy little feature to have if you've got to crawl through traffic or if you're on the freeway, it can take over for short periods. But in terms of like this notion that the car can drive itself for any length mm. of time, it's completely overrated and, mm. and overhyped. It's Just to jump Audi, Audi have launched that car where the steering wheel disappears and they reckon within three years they'll have it on the road. Oh, I bet yeah. they have predicted mm -hmm. this before. We haven't heard that before. Oh, watch, no, watch, yes, we watch have. Watch me That's hold right. my yes. breath. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes. It was uh, 2020 it was going to be on the road last time, but this one's 2023, I think. Mm -hmm. Just to get in ahead of all the pilots uh, that tell us that autopilot is not, in fact, a set-and-forget, hands-free, go-and-have-a-cup-of-tea type system, we understand that. Yes. But mm -hmm. I think what we're saying you know is I mean. that the common conception of autopilot is exactly that. Yeah. And that's what's been planted uh, in most people's minds in terms of what Tesla Autopilot might be. Yes. Uh, so, uh, okay, that's brilliant. Okay, we're well into round two now. Stephen Corby, please keep us going. I'm going with Mercedes-Benz's Energizer coach, which is uh, apparently can uh, <laughs> tell uh, what kind of day you're having, whether you're frustrated, uh, and then we'll, we'll give you a, the, just the right amount of seat massage and it's not just a massaging seat this one is supposed to be like a gym workout in the car that's supposed wow. to you know, move wow. your muscles and, and adjust your body in all that kind of way and i sort of as an addendum i would put nearly all massage seats because they're usually a bit rubbish yes but um the energizer coach is particularly good and it's supposed to hook up with certain uh watches so it knows from your garmin what kind of mood you were we were in when you got in the car what kind of day you've had whether you've had enough exercise all this kind of thing and i just like 
I can't. Can it, can it deploy anabolic steroids? I hope so. It should be just made to puncture you through the sleep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it inject caffeine into your veins or something. Now, I, I, I got wind that you were heading down this road and there's a joy program. There is, yes, one of them is. Mm. I, I, I wrote that down. Joy mm. is one of the things that can make you feel joy. Which is amazing to be able to just press a button and experience joy. I have no idea how that's been I haven't felt joy for about five years. I think it's very intense. Yeah, I mean, massage seats in general, like you say, they're just another completely useless feature that just, I mean, are more... They're more uncomfortable than they are comfortable. It's just well, apparently, it's supposed to keep you awake on long drives. You. That's keep the idea. Apparently, is to stimulate. So, if you're a really long drive, it'll stimulate you so you don't fall asleep. Okay. But other, than, I think that's Mercedes Benz or possibly Rolls Royce. One of them has a heated hot stone massage that is absolutely uh, delectable. But you can't drive with it on because you're feeling too much joy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're overjoyed. You're yeah. you're overjoyed. I'm um, not concentrating on the road. I'm about to have an orgasm. I've got to say, I've got to say, all I'm thinking when I hear about those seats is when is it going to break? And when someone's yeah. trying to restore this car in 30 years' time, they'll just be scratching their head like, oh, what do I do with the massage joy function? I can't get it to work. You know? I always assume it's just a bunch of monkeys in there. It's like crawling. <laughs> <and> they... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. Okay, now I think I'm next. Controversial from our, our pre-air conversation, this one. I'm going to nominate rev matching. Um, now, all I'd say is where is the joy in that? Um, we were just talking about a joy mode. Uh, matching the revs in a manual gearbox car for mine is a bit of an art. The old heel and toe, the double shuffle, the double D clutch. And some of us uh, have a forlorn hope of, you know, aspiring to Walter Rawl levels of foot to pedal uh, <laughs> dexterity. And you also get the synchros uh, that keep them nice and fresh in the gearbox. You're not, you're not wearing them out. It's just part of extra involvement with a manual car. And all of a sudden, you're told to press a button and it kind of does it for you and it takes the, the love and joy out of it for me. I'm, I'm not a fan. But Steve Otley, I'm sensing you may, may feel differently. Uh, you know, I think it's a little bit, I think it's a situation where so many people now don't have much experience with manuals. You know, manuals are such a rarity, particularly in performance cars, um, that it's kind of nice in some ways to have that little cheat sometimes. You know, look, certainly... The fact that you can turn them on and off, I think, is good. So you can, if you really want to pretend to be Walter Roll, that's great. Yep. But the reality Constantly. is, if I was Walter Roll, <laughs> if I could drive like him, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast with you. <laughs> but, that's right. But, yes. So, you wouldn't be owning a, a car that offered self, uh, you know, rev matching. Yeah. So. If you're buying a manual, surely you want to do it. That's what I understand. It, it seems a contradiction. I would never use it. I mean, it's in the it's in the M3 manual, which I love dearly. But every time it was on, I go, oh, God, and they make myself turn it off because I want to do it yes. myself. So it seems yeah. to contradict the kind of buyer that goes for that car. So yes. someone who really wants a manual yeah. but isn't very good at driving manual, so surely they would just buy an auto. Could be, great you know point. I mean? Great point. What is the Well, point? I think it allows people that aren't very good at driving manuals because we, no one's learned their stuff because when was the last time you had a conversation with somebody who mentioned double D clutching? Mm. Uh, you know, like it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've just you've got to do it now because people don't really know what that's all about. Yeah, but well, I think yeah, that person buying the manual, like when you get the new Nissan Z comes out, surely that person goes to whatever's the nine-speed auto. They go, oh, look at my nine-speed auto, rather than if you're going to yeah. drive the manual, you have to be very keen. You're, 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 in yeah. one, you're one person in 10 now who buys a manual. I, I suppose just to, to play devil's advocate, there are different aspects of driving a manual, and that's one of them, you know, mm -hmm. is, is, is matching the revs on a downshift. The other is being in control. You know, you, mm -hmm. want, you know which gear you are in and you can remain in it for as long as you want to. 
I remember speaking to a person we all know uh, some time ago about his motorcycle riding. Shout out to Ash, Ash Westman. <laughs> and I said, you know, it'd be so great to be, you know, um, orchestrating all of the different things like your clutch and then your revs and then on down change. No, 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 stuff that, mate. I'm just maximum revs each gear. That's all I care about. I'm not. I'm not into the delicate down changing for corners. So you know, different people take different things out of it. I suspect. But yeah, that's interesting. I don't think, and this is a problem with electric motorbikes that you that you feel the vibration through you, and that tells you what the bike is doing. And revving on the down change is such a vital and enjoyable part of riding a motorbike that they would never put rev matching technology in a motorbike. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, you wouldn't do it because the sort of person who wants to ride a motorbike wants to do that particularly on bikes the the blip on the down change is such a joy oh yeah yeah there we go there's that word again well's well said all right okay that's round two done and dusted we're at the beginning of round three Stephen otley okay uh i'll nominate uh glass roofs you know this modern <laughs> obsession yes um what yes. did i drive recently i believe it was a polestar polestar 2 has a glass roof um mclaren like to put a glass roof with no sunshade whatsoever, which is, I'm sure, fantastic for Scandinavian winters and English summers. But in Australia, like, what a completely horrible thing to have on the car. Yes. Like, yes. like I would pay to not have a glass roof, like because yeah. it is just because like, you can't open them; they're just glass. Like, it's not like it's a sunroof. It's the top, the whole large part of the roof is glass, and therefore you may as well just, you know, I know they put some protective coating on it, but you may as well just sit in an oven. Like, yes. Is the McLaren just... the one that has the, you can press the button though and it, and it, and it puts these um, sparkles of electrons through and it goes dark? It goes opaque? That might be a new one. Yeah, no, I, certainly cool. when I drove the McLaren GT first time, I was like, only the English would think to, to do this. But <laughs> That's right. Yes, evidently it's... the Swedes do too. But yeah, you know, it's like, natural it, habitat. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. For the two sunny days a year you get in the UK, I'm sure it's fantastic. Well, but... could you, could you, open this one out a little bit pardon the pun to to include sunroofs full stop you know when, when was the last yeah, time you I, saw a sunroof that was open i don't know I, i'm not a sunroof person i maybe and particularly on performance cars you see like i think hyundai was obsessed with sort of getting sunroofs into their i30n and you'd like what's the point like i've got an older car that's got your your pullback wabasto like it's most of the roof and you, you pull uh, it yeah, back yeah. that i get but the little hole yeah. that Oh, yeah, it just creates buffeting and it's all uh, no. Nah. I don't get it. I suppose, I mean, yeah, but then I talk to friends who are like, Oh, I've got to get a sunroof on my car. I'm like, Why? Like, right. I don't get it. The CX60, they're very excited about having the full moonroof now, the full, you know, the, the glass roof on that. I think this, the, what it does give me, particularly in smaller cars, is that sensation of space. Like, yeah. it just okay. feels bigger. Yeah. But, uh, and then the lights coming, you go, This feels like a much bigger car. You really notice that when you can cover it. You've got to be yeah, able, to, it's cover. Have it cover. to, be able okay. to have a cover. Doesn't because when have you take cover. the cover off, it just feels like a bigger car. Yeah. Okay. It's nice That's at night. Point. I do like I do enjoy them like literally as a moonroof in terms of like at night. Yeah. yeah. When you go in at night, you can take the cover off because you can have a cover on during the day. Because I mean, I think I had the Polestar in summer this year in January, and it was just like hopping into an oven every time. Like no. it was so <laughs> hot because it just hit, superheated the car. And just quietly, that opens up the other one of appropriate convertible use. In that, you know, <laughs> midsummer is the worst time for a convertible, but yes. a balmy summer evening, yes, that's yes. that's when yes. it's very nice. Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. It depends where you live, but spring and autumn is the time for convertibles. Too true, too true. Yes. Okay, now, next, Stephen, off the rank, please. This is uh, round three. This is your third nomination. Now, now, this might sound similar to the Energizer Coach, but it's not because it's more bonkers. And it's called the Caring Car, BMW's Caring Car. <laughs> 
Now, I think it only has two right. settings, which is like, I'm, I'm asleep, wake me up, which I think is active mode. And then it has, I'm stressed out, I can't take life anymore. Please calm me down. <laughs> and when you press the button, it comes up with this ridiculous screen with a picture of like a rainforest or something. And then it, and if you're stressed, it'll blow cold air in your face, but not all at once. It goes cold and then stops. Cold and then stops. Wow. And at the same time, it's playing the sort of music you get when you're getting your massage somewhere. It's a lot of pan pipes. And, uh, <laughs> and it just I just can't, like I think it goes for about, five minutes i've never got through it like i'll show people how stupid is this i can't i can't take five minutes because yeah. I, want to, I want to stab the person who designed it so i wonder who's who's curated the music who, who oh. has determined that this is the caring music that drivers around the globe will need but also i have my own music for that like, yes. and everyone's music for yeah. that purpose would be different you cannot choose a music that is going to calm everybody down caring car which assumes that every other car doesn't care doesn't care so yeah. this is this is the one that does but you must have seen this. I go, man, it is buried in a menu. It's not something that's immediately available. But I was like, what does that mean? So I'm presuming this is on the premium, like this must be a seven. No, it's on a three series. It's on a three series. Yeah, you'll get it on a three okay. series. Yeah. I might okay. have started on a seven series. But I had it the other day in a four series, I think. It's still there. It's sneaking into all of them. It might have been wow. a bit of two series. <laughs> wow. Too much care. I think too that's much uh, too I much care. not for caring car. Okay. Now I'm going to offer up my third one, which is... Now, controversial, lane keeping assist. Now, we were talking earlier about how an adaptive cruise and lane keeping is on the road allegedly to autonomy, maybe with some lane changing stuff as well. I've found often that lane keeping can be overly aggressive. And when you are, for example, in a corner, the car will turn quite abruptly. Maybe you get used to it, but I've found myself turning lane keeping off in several cars lately because it is so distracting. They, they wouldn't happen to be cars from South Korea, would they? Some <laughs> of those, some of those, and also from uh, a particular, particularly large German automotive group. Mm. Um, there uh, are some yeah, in there as well. I, I, find, I find lane keeping, uh, certain lane keeping systems are good, you know, yep. in terms of it just, it, it helps you particularly on the freeway or whatever it just, or, or when the road roads, particularly in, in Sydney tend to like sort of shift at times and it mm. kind of gives you that, that little bit of uh, assistance, but yeah, certainly there's certain, but like Hyundai and Kia, and I think we've spoken about this before, their lane keeping assist is way too intrusive, way too, it's just poorly calibrated. And also I find and it's so often, it off. it's often uh, delivered with a, with a very nice note saying, stay in the center of the lane. In yeah. the middle of the dash. So. I only really enjoy it if it beeps at you as well. It has to that, beep at you as well as pushing you across. Beeping the and telling you to stay in the middle of the lane. Uh, because actually what I'd like to do is smooth out this corner somewhat. I'm not mm. going over the lane line on either side. This is how I choose to drive the car. No, stay in the center of the lane. I'm going to give you a message and I'm going to beep at you. And oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm yeah, not. The yeah. thing is like I, I can't stand it. I turn it off and some of them are really annoying. But at the same time, when I see the person in traffic next to me driving while looking at their phone, I'm really glad that they've got it. Yeah, that's a great point. That so is a great point. As long as you can point. turn it off, have it in the car by all means. But And and some people will never turn it off. I will, I will choose to turn it off as soon as I get in. Good. All right. Now, there we are. There's our nine. Now we're going to have a quick fire round and each nominate a highly commended that we will collectively agree, uh, use to a collectively agree a tenth to round out our list. You mean lowly so, commended? <laughs> lowly commended, <laughs> yes. Uh, well said. So Stephen Otley. Yeah, I would say uh, too many warnings. I think Ford likes to tell you things like when you turn on the car, uh, your handbrake's on. 
It's like, no doy. <laughs> okay. Like, I haven't got there yet. Give me a second. I yes. haven't started. Right. I, will t- I will take the handbrake off. You don't so need to. So, knit nannying. Yeah. Like just yeah. Two, I mean, it's just one example, but this it's across a lot of cars, a lot of car companies. They love to just, let's just have a warning for basically everything. We are in control. You, yeah. Not you. Okay. Steve Corby. I was just going to add to that with the ones that tell you that there's a car in front of you. The base, you know, comes up and says, yeah. there's a car in front of you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I've got a windscreen. That windscreen. That handy windscreen. <laughs> so useful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I was going to go with that, but I think I'll just go with the air balance package again from Mercedes-Benz, which is, which is that one that sprays <laughs> into the car. Oh, so that I, have to, I have to keep stopping and leaping out of the car and buying the car flowers. The perfume, wow. the perfume thing? The perfume the thing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It gives me a headache, those scents. And, and it's just so obviously a thing that you're going to have to pay for. I bet you when you buy the yes. second one, it costs a fortune. Uh, I never, one will I, ever refill it. I would never refill I take them never. out. Whenever I pick up a, a, a car to test, I, it's the first thing I do is pull it out of the glove box and just leave it in the thing. So it's I'd imagine, are there different uh, perfume yeah. fragrances that are available too? That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a beauty. Um I'm going to finish with one that's not overrated because it doesn't work. I think it's overrated because it shouldn't exist, um, which is drift mode. And I'm, I'm in similar I'm in similar territory to rev matching here. So Focus RS, I was watching a video um, to help illustrate this for people watching on YouTube, Ben, ben Collins, ex-Stig, driving a Focus RX. Um, and, it, of course, it allows an all-wheel drive car to be set up to drift more, more um, regularly, more predictably. Um, it's a performance-enhancing feature, though. I'd say it's a fake hero. It's like the, the Lance Armstrong of drifting. This is this is giving you some kind of unfair and unwanted advantage. I'd prefer you just give me an MX-5 and a skid pan, and I'll have a go. Not not have this overriding feature doing it for you. I I don't know. I think that's I think it's drift mode is good in in those four-wheel drive cars, particularly as we now move to this era of like particularly the Germans love just putting so much torque in cars that it's impossible to have them as two wheel drive cars. Um, so yeah, you need, you need to have that ability to, to hang the tail out on the, no, on I just the think track, it's a hoax. I think it's I a hoax. Stupid, but I didn't, the Golf R has it and it, it works so well in that car. And they pointed out, which, which was very strange admission for me that you can have it on and yet have the traction on so that you can basically, as they said, on a public road, come out of a road a bit sideways, come out of a corner a bit sideways, but the car will catch you. Mm-hmm. So in drift, they, they're sort of advocating using drift mode a little bit on the road and being a bit of a hero, which oh, I don't hear. That's all right. On, on a skid pan, it's fantastic. But the, the, my favorite is the um, the drift rating thing on the BMW M3 that rates your drifts, <laughs> tells you how long you drifted for, what angle the car was at, and then gives you a rating yeah. out of five stars. And that tells you there's a the set of traffic cool. lights in front of the car and a car in front of you. <laughs> yes. That is a hell of a thing. Well, I think for what it's worth, my vote goes to too many warnings. The telling you that the handbrake is on when you start the car, there's two for that. I think, Steve, unless you've got a compelling argument, what oh, are you? Too where many are you? warnings is yeah. too many warnings is it? There okay, that's that's number ten. There's our list. You're welcome. Of ten overrated features. So I'm sure we'll have some feedback on that. That has been a very enjoyable discussion um, to ventilate on uh, each of those things. Thank you. Uh, we will now move to our garage. And cars that we have, in fact, been driving lately, Stephen Corby, it's a, it's a brand name that came up in our conversation of just a few minutes ago. Tell us what on earth you've been driving lately. Oh, I had a crack at the 765 LT Spider from McLaren, 563 kilowatts, 800 newton metres all through the rear wheels. And normally when I drive a supercar, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a couple of days of trying to get to the point where mm. you can put your foot flat at least once. I never managed to get my foot flat 
because even at three quarters throttle, the thing starts going sideways in the dry. When it rained, I hid inside and refused to drive. <laughs> it, is, it is the most terrifying and probably the fastest thing I've ever driven, but it is completely, completely mad. So not hybrid? No, no, just pure twin pure. turbo, four litre V8, all yeah. going to the rear wheels. And it just doesn't seem to have, it made me appreciate how good that new Ferrari is, the 296, because the software on that thing must be incredible because it's putting 600 kilowatts through the rear wheels. And somehow it doesn't go sideways all the time. But the McLaren, you put your foot down, it just can't get the grip. And then one of the wheels will grip and it goes like this. Yes. It is staggeringly fast, but uh, also... And, and by the sounds of it, a little more pure in terms of very the, it's, the it's way it's been set up. It's a track car. It's as hard as nails yeah. as well. You know, carbon fibre floor, everything about it feels hard. But on a public road, it just feels like <laughs> like too much, like using a hammer to crack an egg. Nice. It feels fantastic. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but as I say all that, I did love it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, precisely. It's an experience. I'd imagine. Yeah, it was a hell of a thing. All right. That's great. Now, uh, Stephen Otley, what have yeah. you been driving? Which McLaren have you been steering? Yeah, basically, so, a car that's almost identical to the McLaren in many ways. <laughs> uh, I actually just got back from the US uh, where I drove a Nissan Titan. Um, their big old, uh, I guess, Chevy Silverado Ford F-150 rival. Great name, um, great name. Is, I've yeah, always loved that name. name isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it, it, it it's a titan to look at. It's a it's a lot of truck. Like it's a big piece of metal. Um, Five point six liter V eight. It's got two hundred ninety eight kilowatts, five hundred sixty newton meters. Uh, you know, it's massive, but it hauls. I, yeah. You know, I was I was in truck country. I was down in uh, North Carolina, driving it around. Um, yeah. And yeah, you put your foot down and despite its immense size, like it, it moves. Uh, right. So it's, yeah, it was great. I mean, I can see why they're so popular, you know, like it's, it's yeah. big, it's comfortable, it's luxurious. You were, um, you were rolling coal, I presume at various, <laughs> what, through a, a Tesla recharge station. Economy. Like yeah. Blasting past them. Do you feel like, well, cause I, I actually, I actually rented it, uh, confession. Um, so I was just trying to chew through as much fuel as I could prepaid for the tank. So, um, oh, dear. Was, hello, America. You, was, were, you, yes. When in Rome, I was getting, I was getting my money's worth. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, like say, I just sort of enjoyed the performance. It was good. It was good to cruise. I cruise along. I don't, I don't actually honestly know what they even claim for their fuel economy, but it was, it's got a nine speed automatic. So I imagine if you just, trickle over trundling along too bad yeah yeah Yeah. all right amazing that could not be more chalk and cheese uh those two (laughs) i'll uh try for some middle ground here audi s3 uh sedan okay yep so just over 73k it's the two liter turbo petrol four i'm i'm certain although i haven't uh 100 determined it it's a version of the ea triple eight engine uh, that's in the VW group in various forms, seven-speed dual clutch, 228 kilowatts, 400 newton metres, um, and that's from 2,000 RPM, and it's all-wheel drive. I mean, I've got to say, I remember um, long ago when Merck launched its 560 V8 in the SL and SELs, that was 400 newton metres, and that was monster power. Here's a two-litre turbo four uh, producing the same amount of torque. It's quick, it's composed, the quality in the way it's been built is obvious. It sounds great. Um, there's a lot of talk. The steering, and in fact, the steering wheel feels really nice. I also love the clever door handles um, in, the, in that class where rather than you putting your hand over to have to open the interior release, you just put your hand up and, and flick it out. Clever little details like that. 
The only minus I could really come up with is that a Golf R is 66K, so you're saving about five grand, you get seven extra kilowatts. And it's possibly one instance where the VW badge holds a bit more cred than the four rings of, of Audi, you know, arguable, but mm. there it is. I was um, going to ask which have it over Golf R because that Golf R is yep. spectacular. It's, it's terrific. Well, so, but see, we're saying, you know, you're in theory, you're only saving five or six grand going from a Volkswagen to an Audi, which I know. is potentially but that's what not, I say, not, a great, not a great ad for, I would say, you, I would argue the other way, which is it's only five more, six more grand oh, okay. an Audi okay. as opposed yeah, that's to fair. a Volkswagen. That's you know, fair. I think, yeah. They're cool. Um, but anyway, short story, it's fantastic. It's it's a really fantastic car. I enjoyed driving it thoroughly um, during the week. So there we go. We are now on to feedback. It's the comment of the week. It's on top of the shipping container at the front of the Cars Guide forecourt. There's bunting, there's balloons. We are celebrating this comment. It's planes, trains, and dogs and cars. Um, we were talking about the world's worst cars of all time uh, last week which was a very fun discussion. So planes, trains, and dogs and cars have said the only thing worse than an H2 Hummer hmm. was an H2 Hummer with 20-inch, 28-inch chrome rims, and the only thing worse than that was the driver. <laughs> so I thought that was a very good comment. But I've got to give a shout-out to Fat Man Overlanding, who also called out the Pontiac Aztec, and we hadn't included it. I, with all respect, I thought it was a bit too obvious. And in fact, it's mm. now built up such a cult following. And uh, Fat Man uh, agrees with that. Walter White from uh, Breaking Bad has made the Aztec uh, very cool, I, I think. And so anyway, it's worth calling out that we... Yeah, we it's, it's worth going to that motoring museum in LA because the, at, at the Walter White's actual car is there. Is it oh, really? At oh, the yeah. broken, broken windscreen and all? It's there. It, look, it's broken, it's battered, but it's the actual car they used. It's amazing. Fantastic. That will be quite the artifact. It already is, I suppose. All right. Um, look, with that, we've reached the finish line. So I want to say thank you, Steve C. And thank you, Steve O. Thank you. Steve and, O. And thanks to Steve our Steve O. Thanks to our production muse, Yo-Yo Master, and emoji translator, Mr. Pritchard, for his dexterity on the sliders and buttons. Today he's wearing a t-shirt saying. I'm not completely useless. I can be used as a bad example. Um, aluminium pants and jester boots. Jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five's the preferred number of stars. And viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. Before we go, back in the uh, 70s, Datsun was having serious issues with the gearbox in several of its models. Uh, finally bit the bullet and initiated a recall, which meant a huge number of internal parts, ratios and shafts, et cetera, being imported. The first batch via air freight. Unfortunately, the freight aircraft's loading door failed on approach to Tullamarine and some cargo was lost uh, situation was quickly resolved, though, thanks to a local farmer contacting emergency services to report it was raining bats and cogs. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dad. 